Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to Bootleggers Music Group Radio. I'm David Coleman. This is another episode of Bridging the Gap, where we try to take people from what they might need to an answer that will help them reach what and where they need to be in life. And I have been, uh, we've had such a fortunate situation the first two episodes. We had Debbie Gardner, self-defense expert Debbie Gardner, who was just, just absolutely remarkable. Then we had the cast of the touring performing group, She's Crazy, who talk about mental health and other myths. We couldn't have had more fun. And today I'm actually coming to you from Richmond, Virginia, from the home of Matthew Shapiro and his amazing, and I'll tell you more about Matthew in a minute, and his amazing parents, Eve and Barry, who I've become very good friends with. And let me let me say this. There's parts of my job that I absolutely love. Many of you know that I'm fortunate enough to be one of the top speakers in America, and I travel the country uh, talking about relationships and leadership and team building and customer service and outstanding public speaking, things like that. The other parts of my career is I am a, I'm a coach. I coach people on their relationships, and I coach people on how to be better public speakers. And if you ever thought about becoming a public speaker for a career, I do take on a few number of clients every year. And uh, once in a while, I get to work with someone who's pretty darn special, and, and that is Matthew. And what I love about Matthew and his family, and I, I want to make sure I get this right because I've been – I'm just going to say this. They've changed, my, they've changed my life. Excuse me. They've absolutely changed my life. We were talking about this at dinner last night. When I walk around the world now, I notice if there's a cut in the sidewalk. Could a, could a wheelchair get in there? And what about getting into this room? And how about these stands? And uh, I look at the world completely differently. And that's why I'm thrilled to have them on as a, a guest today because what they are really trying to do, Matthew and his family, are to change the way the world looks at disability and inclusion, one effort and one day and one appearance at a time. And let me share a little bit about Matthew. Um, my glasses on here so I can read. He uh, is a pretty decent guy. Matthew is an approachable, down-to-earth speaker. He's an entrepreneur, which he'll talk about, who has lived his life breaking down the barriers of disability. He uses his positive outlook on life to sculpt the audience's views on a variety of topics, including disability, leadership, relationships, which we're going to talk about. It's going to be fun. Employment, safety, getting out of your comfort zone, and more. You've been a speaker now for at least five years, I believe. More than that, I think. We've been working on that for a number of years. A few other things that are that are pretty neat are the different areas he talks to. He He's talked to the medical field. He's talked to human resource managers, emergency preparedness people, which I think is a really neat thing for us to talk about today because obviously we saw the other night and a tornado ripped through New Orleans, and sure. it is that time. <clears throat> spring is hitting all over the Midwest. It's hitting all over the country, and spring has sprung. Spring has sprung. Uh, architectural firms are hiring you to help them in a number of ways. We'll let you talk about that. Public court systems to make things more accessible and have them run better. And then college campuses also hire you. And a couple other things about Matthew, and we'll get started. His efforts have won him many accolades, including – Style Weekly's Top 40 Under 40 in Richmond, Virginia. You were profiled in Virginia Business Magazine. You received the Virginia Social Vision Award presented by the governor. And I, I've seen that picture and that really cool. Your trophy looks like a fish, does it not? It does. It, we, we, uh, I think we called it uh, Woody, Woody, Woody the Woodpecker. Woody Woodpecker. And you served the Obama administration, the Office of Public Engagement and Inter- Inter- Intergovernmental Affairs. And I've seen multiple pictures around your house of you feet away from President Obama. And I know that you're uh, pretty happy and pretty proud of that. So let me say this. And also before we say Eve, uh, 
his, his mother, who is one of the strongest, and I'm not going to say women, one of the strongest people on this earth that I know. And I've told Amen. both of you, his father, Barry, is also sitting here, that I would rather fight both of you combined than her at all, one-on-one. <laughs> -on -one. Um, Eve, for 20 years, was the cash manager at King's Dominion here in Virginia. Remarkable woman, remarkable parents. Matthew, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. We're uh, super excited to be here and, and looking forward to a fun conversation. Tell, obviously, I read a snippet of your bio. Yes. Tell people kind of who you are and uh, how you've gotten to the point today where I'm even here working with you and interviewing you. Yeah, I think in a nutshell, I'm a typical 31-year-old. Um, I just happen to have uh, cerebral palsy. I was born 12 weeks premature uh, when I was born on January 22nd, 1991 on a faithful night, I guess. Uh, and uh, because of that, I use a wheelchair to navigate the world uh, every day. And uh, that has, that life experience has taught me empathy, taught me uh, joy, taught me uh, how to think outside of the box and solve problems. Uh, and I definitely know for a fact I wouldn't be able to do that without my two parents here. You know, I, I'm very fortunate to have a strong support system um, and have them say, anytime we want to do something, let's go do it. Let's figure it out. Let's make it work. Um, and that has helped me uh, in my career, in my personal life, uh, and everything. So, uh, yeah, it's me in a nutshell, for sure. <clears throat> I will say this. You and I went on, uh, we went on a rather long walk this morning. We've had a or roll. Or <laughs> roll. <laughs> That's right. You went on a roll. I went on a rock, I, a walk. Mm -hmm. I tried to keep up and... We've done that a couple of times since I've been here, and that's been wonderful. And one of the things we talked about today, and I even stopped. I made you stop. And I said, are you being serious with me? Mm -hmm. You said to me, I wouldn't change my situation. Even if I could, I wouldn't change it. Yeah. I wouldn't change. I wouldn't become uh, perfectly abled. I wouldn't change. Yeah. I would. And I said, are you being serious? Yeah. And you said. Yeah, no, I, I am being serious. You know, I, I always make the joke. Uh, I think if I was able-bodied, I'd have been a hell of an athlete. But um being in my situation, while, yes, there are tons of days and tons of times where it is a pain in the butt and there are there are many moments where uh, you get annoyed with situations or you have to think about how is something accessible or um, can I get somewhere, uh, being a person with a disability and seeing the world through that lens, uh, again, has taught me empathy, has taught me how to connect with people, has taught me how to be patient, <clears throat> has taught me... Uh, how to view the world in a unique way. Um, and I don't know if I would be me if I wasn't that, mm -hmm. uh, if that makes sense. And, you know, I, I often reflect on that and sort of mm -hmm. think about what would my life be like if. Mm -hmm. uh, but I definitely, um, as you always like to say, it's never prevented me from doing really cool stuff. Uh, as you mentioned in my bio, you know, running a business, interning in DC twice, starting a podcast, traveling to 13 countries, like that all happens because of the support system I have of my wonderful parents and, and friends that I have and you mm -hmm. uh, and, and other, other people. So no, I, I really don't think I would change it. Uh, even though, Trust me, there are plenty of times and days where it's it's uh, it's a lot sometimes, but you you navigate and you make it work. This being radio, I'd like for you and Eve, I'd love for you to hop in here too if you want. 
this being radio, people can't see right now. They can't see that you're in a chair. And you actually call your company Six Wheels. Yes. Like Six Wheels. Consulting, yep. And uh, the reason for that being? Uh, so there are six wheels on my chair. There are two in the front that no one ever sees, but uh, we, we always count those because if we didn't, it would mess up branding. So, um, But, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an everyday power chair user. Um, I use it to get from point A to point B. Uh, Mom, I don't know if you have any thoughts or anything. Well, you're 100% assist, which means you can't ever get in uh, your chair by yourself. Right. Um, you guys have used the language of me. You're a hundred percent transfer. Yeah. What does that mean? So, so I need help to do everything basically to go to the bathroom, to, um, to get dressed in the morning, to, uh, get in and out of my chair, to get in and out of my shower chair. Um, somebody all basically has to help me with all of my, uh, they're called ADLs activities of daily living activities of daily living. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of always with someone. So, when I travel, uh, my one of my parents is always with me or a friend is always with me or when I'm out and about in the community, somebody's typically always with me just because I need help um, every day. But typically once I'm in my chair and and things are, uh, you know, kind of set up for me in a way that works, I can navigate the world okay. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean uh, that I don't need help and don't need somebody to hang around with. But, um, yeah. Uh, Let me ask this question. This morning, I got up and I came down. I was doing some work here at the table. Your amazing mother was making us breakfast, and your father was back helping you with your ADLs. I believe mm-hmm. he'd be back mm-hmm. there. You were you were out of control in a positive way. It was like a carnival was going on back there. You're laughing. You're having a ball. You're screaming, David, are we ready for the day? And understand what you just told the average listener out there. You said, look, I, I'm in a chair. I use it every day. You've yeah. never known a day outside of a chair, correct? Uh, I mean, I used to walk. Um, I, I I first got a manual chair, um, which which is a chair that you push. Um, and then in middle school, because you have to transfer classes and you have to you know move around a lot more, uh, we transitioned me to using a, a, a power chair. Um, and so from that point forward, uh, I've basically exclusively been a power chair user. Understood. Um, Here's my point to yeah, both of you. This yeah. is you and your mother. Yeah. Uh, you're back there. You're, you're getting dressed. You're ready for the day. I can tell you got some sleep. Good Lord, you got some sleep. And you were ready for the day. Yet you knew today that and we were when we did our role in our walk today, yeah. there's, you know, it's not like you're just going to get up and go somewhere. There's a thought process. Right. I know there's some things ahead of you. There's there's hurdles that you have to, to go through every day. Yeah. Yet that was your attitude this morning. Your parents had that attitude. How yeah. and why? How did you all get to this point? And the reason I'm asking this, yeah. there's people coming out of COVID who've had horrible times. They've lost their jobs, relationships. They were, they obviously, they, they weren't allowed to see each other for great amounts of period of time. Yeah. There's some people out there struggling. It might not be with a disability, yeah. but they're struggling. And you know, here you are, you have a disability, your family's working through that and dealing with it every day. Yeah. And it was like a carnival in your room this morning. How and why? Uh, Mom, you want to take that? No, you can start. Okay. Um, so don't get me wrong have bad days just like anyone else. And we've all had to deal with navigating COVID. I know over the last number of months specifically, uh, it's been kind of an up and down time for me too, um, just navigating a bunch of stuff. But I've always sort of taken the attitude of I can complain about it and I can be woe is me about my disability or I can have a positive attitude when I engage with people. I can... I can have a positive attitude when I'm doing my work or my speaking or engaging with you on the phone or my friends. Like you're not going to get anywhere 
if all you're doing is this sucks, that sucks, you know, this is hard, that's hard. I have those moments. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I guess like a saint. And like you that. and I have been lucky to have each other through some of those times. Right. Right. And don't, don't think just because I'm a dating doctor and I do what I do. We all go through moments like that. You've been there for me as well. Right. Um, and there are tons of times where I look at situations and I'm like, yeah, this sucks. Uh, but I can't live like that. I have, I feel like I have a purpose, right. And I feel like I have, um, a reason for why I'm here and a reason for um, trying to make the world a better place for people with disabilities and people who are different, period. Um, you know, I think we have a lot of work to do in terms of um, having the world sort of accept us, even still, even mm-hmm. though the ADA has been around for, you know, 32, 33 years almost. Um, we live in a world that is not set up for us. And so, Navigating that every day and navigating the stigmas and the struggles that society place on us uh, is tough. Is tough. And I'm going to come back to that world not set up for us. Yeah. But I want to. I want to hit over to Eve here for a second sure. before we get off this. Obviously, we heard him back there in this carnival morning, and you're looking at me going, "Boy, are you in for a day?" And I, when I I thought of you as the United States Army this morning because by about nine o'clock when we sat down for breakfast, I know for a fact you had made breakfast. This beautiful quiche. Uh, I saw you cleaning. There was a sweeper involved. The house looked immaculate. Uh, I know you had done a lot of things. And yet you start that day, too, incredibly positive. What's it been like to be the parent of a child, now a young adult, with a disability? Oh, I didn't look on as any different than I did my other son. We always set out. We said from the very beginning that Matthew's life was going to be no different than Jason's, that they were going to both have equal opportunities, that they were both going to um, have the same goals set in life. And it was harder. Um, you know, when he was younger, we used to have lots of events over here because he couldn't get in somebody else's house, but he was never not part of a That's social, neat. he was never not part of a social entity. You know, he, he managed Jason's, um, basketball team when he was younger, um, in high school, which was the high school basketball team. He managed it for four years. He managed the football team for a year. He was very active in student government, stuff like that, which always meant, like we always drove him back and forth to school, which always meant, you know, longer hours for us during the day or whatever, or going back and forth. Mm -hmm. But it just was, it's just what you did. You know, people always tell me, oh, you did so much, but I I didn't do anything different than any other parent in my position. We've had this talk before. Your husband, yourself, and I, every once in a while, I'll say something like, you know, I've raised two daughters. They're 31 and 28 right now. And One's in New York City, one's in Cincinnati. They're both doing really well. And I'll say something to you like, I can't imagine how much more difficult or I'm not sure I would be able to do the same thing. And I think you've both looked at me over time and said, it's your child. You would have. You'd have found a way. Do you think that's true? Do you think that's what parents do all over America? I can't speak for other people, but it's what we did. I mean, it's just the way we set things out. We we were not going to – there are parents that will – isolate their children. We were, we just weren't going to do that. Mm-hmm. He had every, we wanted him to have every opportunity that, that Jason had. That's great. Matthew, you and I talked about this. We didn't necessarily talk about it on our walk, but we've talked about this before. And obviously COVID made people, uh, we had to go into our social distancing. We had to go into our lockdowns. We had to keep away from other people. And I remember when we got to the heart of this, heart of the COVID, it wasn't difficult. It wasn't uh, easy on you either. And it was difficult for you as a family, yeah. but you said to me, for me and for many others with a disability, 
it's nothing new. You know, I know that I know that able body and all the people out there that are hating COVID or hating life, gosh, no. you can't go see each other. No. What did you mean? You've been doing it for years. So, I mean, yeah, we, uh, you know, people with disabilities. So there, I'll, I'll phrase it this way. There's, and I'll talk about both. There's been good and bad of COVID, right? Because yes, there's, there's an instance of people with disabilities are isolated forever, have been isolated for most of their lives, right? Because again, the world's not set up for us to, easily and freely like navigate it and and like access everything that we need to access however i think what what on a positive side is covid made the rest of the world sort of live the way that we live right and it 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 changed the way that we do business right and i'm in all of my work that i'm doing and all you of say my, we you're talking the world yes yes um because in in excuse me uh, in, in all my speeches and all my work I've been doing, all of that has been virtual. And believe it or not, that's actually made it more accessible for me to actually be able to participate more because we have a virtual component to everything that we're doing, right? We've had, I've been on conferences that are virtual. I've been to to networking events that are now virtual. And what I've been telling everyone that I'm working with is we need to keep some of these virtual components around and available even beyond COVID because you are potentially opening up a conference or something else to more people. A to be job. Able to, yeah. A job to be able to uh, give more people access to that thing where they might not be able to physically get to that meeting, but you better believe they can jump on a zoom link and, and participate. So, you know, I agree with you. I know everyone is fed up with not being able to see people at parties, not being able to, you know, uh, do what we, we were doing before COVID, but we have to keep some of these, digital elements that we've all gotten used to now uh, around when we are finally back to normal, whenever that is, we don't know if that's going to be a year from now, five years from now, who, whatever, um, because the disability community for the first time in a long time actually feels seen and appreciated and heard. Isn't that interesting? And I know you're a really good guy. I've gotten to know you're like a semi son to me along with your parents here and, and you're, you're quite a family. Did at any point in time you ever, any of you ever catch yourselves going, uh-huh. Uh-huh. See rest of the world? You getting it now? Yeah. I mean, you can't help but not do that, right? Um, because, again, we we deal with isolation. We, um, we, again, have a situation where the world doesn't always see us, right, and doesn't always uh, have it set up so that we can easily navigate things. I mean, you've said that multiple times. Let's get to it. And I want you to, and it can be Eve as well. Yeah. You've said multiple times. Now the world's not set up for us. Yeah. And instead of hyperbole, I'd like some, now I've already told you that yeah. when I travel now, yeah. we know you've ruined me. Yeah. You've ruined me. You're just, welcome. just like I try to between Eve and my cousin, Barry, who's a chef and my friend Russ in Boston, who's a chef. I go out to dinner and I'm like, this isn't as good as Eve. It's not as good yeah. as Barry. Yeah. They've ruined me for eating out. Yes. You have ruined me as I travel because Everywhere I go now, I say, hmm, what am I humming about? Could Matthew do this? Could, could, and, and truthfully, that is one of the biggest things I try to impart on people. Anybody that is a friend, anybody that is, that even has an interaction with me for an hour, right? Like what I would hope that they would take away from that interaction is, can, should we be going and scoping out where the next curb cut is so Matthew can navigate that space? Mm-hmm. Should we... Should we make sure that there's a ramp to get into wherever we're going? Uh, if I can create more little minions and I can create more little uh, people who are like yourself, who are are aware 
and and know what's um, know what's going on, then I don't have to be the one in the front of the fight all the time, being like, "Can I get into this space? Can I uh, can I participate? Can I do whatever?" Um, mm-hmm. and, and that is what that is, right? And the fact that that's rubbed off on you and so many others that I've engaged with means that I'm doing something right. Matthew, do you do this for me and try to be as succinct as possible and just kind of what comes through your mind when I first ask this question? Yeah. I'm not just saying that because you're long-winded and you're doing a great job tonight. Thank you. Thank you. So I, I'm not thinking that at all. All right. So uh, I know we're having a wonderful dinner here at home. Yes. It's going to be nice and fun and looking out at your beautiful landscape out back. It's just a beautiful day here. If we want to say, we're scrapping that. We're going to dinner and a movie tonight. We're going to go to a dinner and a movie tonight. I'd like Eve to start. Take me through it. We're not just going to a dinner and a movie. What are we going to do? Well, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to call and try and make a reservation. And we're going to say the person that we're with has, is in a wheelchair because theoretically, hopefully, what you hope happens is they reserve a table that's towards the front of the hotel the or, or where restaurant. it's... Oh, yeah, we're at a restaurant. Sorry. <laughs> Not a restaurant. Hotel too. Mm, restaurant. And because a lot of times what happens is you call, you make a reservation, and then your table that has been reserved is all the way in the back. And restaurants now are just like any other place, department stores or anywhere else. They try and get as much as they can get out of their square footage. Correct. And so it's literally you have to go table to table to table. And whoever's sitting at that table has excuse to get me, excuse, excuse me, me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me. They have to get up for meeting. They have to push their seat in. We have to go by. Then they sit back down and they finish their meal, which is wrong. Which is the last thing on you that you want, I would assume, because well, it's making you a, quote, spectacle. I mean, and that's the last thing you want. Right. Again, you deal with right. it, right? But it still sucks, right? I mean, the still... movie's, yeah, a movie's a movie. You're just going right. to go to a movie. You're going to go to a movie. That's no big deal. Right. But yeah. the dinner thing is a whole different story. Well, that, 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 show, so some or... people who have never had it, and we talked about this earlier, for someone who's never had to interact with anyone in their own family with a disability, they don't have any friends, they don't have any acquaintances, where they work, they've never... It's not for us. We just walk in and go to the movie. Right. Are there spots at a movie theater now where it's yeah, more there's, accessible? Yeah, there's, there's designated seating, accessible seating. Um, and so you just, you know, you pick your seat there. Uh, typically, there's a, a hole in the seating where I can park. And then there's seats um, where companions and friends can, can sit next to you. Um, but, I mean, everything that we do, to my mom's point, uh, we have to plan, mm-hmm. right? We can't just... Spontaneity, spontaneity in my life doesn't really exist. We talked about that, you and I, on our walk today, and, and I'm not going to go to that subject yet, but we talked about that with dating and relationships yeah. for you or for anyone yeah. with a disability. It's yeah. not just, oh, I'll be by and pick you up. No, right. really? Right. Oh, we'll meet there. Not really. Right. Let me switch gears here for a minute. We will come back to that. We're going to get to disabled dating and some other things. Yeah. We we talked about this, and I, I watched, you know, I've been with you both long enough, all three of you where we go out at times and you and I are at conferences or maybe yeah. we're at a gathering or a meeting yeah. or you've got a keynote and I happen yeah. to be there. There, We've kind of identified six particular reactions that people have mm-hmm. when they meet you for the first time. Right. I'm going to list all six so that I don't make you come back with all six or sure. but then we'll come back one at a time. The six ways that the six particular reactions that you've seen people have to you are number one is a fixer. Mm-hmm. Number two was a friend slash encourager. Uh, then there was an ogler, also called stairs, also called laser beams. Uh, the ones who say, you inspire me, we call those the inspire mirrors. Uh, Eve even wrote a chapter in a book on the next one, but there but for the grace of God go I. Mm-hmm. 
And then the last one are the genuine people who just talk to you as if that chair isn't even there and they're meeting a great guy for the first time. Yeah. Let's kind of go back through these and either one of you jump in whenever you want. But let's talk first about the fixers. I mean, I think that one's pretty obvious and I'm curious your thoughts, but they want to, they think I'm broken. Uh, they think I'm broken. Um, and so they want to fix me uh, and and pray for me and, you know, God will heal you and whatever, which Do you I, want to tell the one story you told me at breakfast today? Uh, so uh, this is a story I tell quite often. Uh, I mean, I was in DC for an internship and a guy came up to me um, and said, can I pray for you? Now, mind you, uh, I would say we are a Jewish family. Um, we're supportive of all, all religions, obviously, but uh, at the time, I was really dumbfounded by the question. And so I was like, sure, because uh, I kind of panicked a little bit. And so he like puts his hand on my head and does this whole prayer thing. Uh, and I thought the interaction was over. And dad was actually with me at this point, And dad was horrified at this whole experience. Um, and he then finishes and hands me his card and says, call me in a week when you're walking again. And so I literally lost it because that's hilarious. Um, now, was was he being serious or do you think this was you – know, he was being, shaking your head he was being violently. Very, yes. He was being very serious. Um, Let me stop you there, Eve. Yeah. Fixers, what do you see from a, a parent looking in? I saw that a lot when he was in elementary school. And, and he was – for an elementary school kid, he was very – he understood what his disability was. He understood what his abilities were. And he would be very vocal when they would try and tell him what it was that he needed, he needed to do. And he would say, I don't want that program on my computer. It inhibits me from being able to do this. I don't want that. And, you know, the occupational therapist would look at him and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would say on the computer. Whereas in the end, he didn't want it. He didn't use it. But they figured they knew more about how to fix him than he knew how to fix him. Mm-hmm. And so. what you're also saying to me, which I've never thought about, so we had this conversation the other day and then today, obviously they either don't know what you're dealing with, mm-hmm. but they believe that what you have was fixable to begin with. Mm-hmm. And is that something you look at people and go, you're just clueless, or is ignorance just a bit of a bliss because they just don't know? I, I mean, I think, again, it kind of goes back to like, I don't need to be fixed, right? Like I am who I am. Uh yeah, do I have moments like again? Do I wish like, yeah, I think I'd have been a hell of an athlete and could could have dominated on. You'd any- be one of the most intense athletes to ever. Yeah. If I could have put up the three minutes of the end of the Virginia St. Bonaventure game the other night, I believe it would go viral, <laughs> and I believe that you would get a color analyst job from a network. And by the way, if someone out there is from a network and you're looking for a very unique person uh, with a disability who could show what what people can do mm-hmm. if given the chance. Mm-hmm. Pretty amazing. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I love sports. That was probably my first love um, before I got into the line of work I'm doing now and, and thought I wanted to be a sports writer. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't regret who I am, right? Like, I, I don't. Let me I, stop you there. Let's move on. Yeah. Friends and encouragers. The second reaction you get that's common. Um, I mean, it's kind of similar to the last one you mentioned. We'll talk about that one in a minute, but it's just people that um, want. Well, a fixer one to fix you. Yeah. A fixer thinks they can fix you. The fixer thinks there's something wrong. Right. Does a friend and encourager also believe the same thing? Uh, kind of, maybe. 
but not, I would say not as intensely as a fixer would. Right. Um, but they still, I, I would sort of view them as like, yes, I'm your friend, but right. Like, I'm not going to go out of my way to like try to make it work and, and, and all those things. Like, yes, they're great people. I have a lot of great people like that, that I stay in contact with, but they're not like the last set of people that we'll talk about. And I'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. You know, what's funny is when you and I go on a walk or you and I are working together and we pass some people who don't know us and they'll look at us and they might give that awe look. Mm-hmm. I want to stop and go, he's as big a pain in the ass as anybody, you know, in your mm-hmm. life, I guarantee it. And I'm probably a harder worker than anybody. Probably you know true. Yes, absolutely. I want to say he works circles around you. Yeah. All right. So we've gone from fixers to the friends and encouragers who are what giving you kind of their best. Yeah. You're doing great, yeah. that kind of thing. Number three, the we'll give them a couple of names here. The oglers, the starers, the laser beamers. And I've actually noticed this when I've been out with you. People don't just stare. They'll cock their head. Mm-hmm. They'll kind of look and they'll cock. They're trying to get, uh, they're trying to ascertain what they think might be going on. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've told you this before. I've, I've had other speakers that I've worked with, a couple that were even on my speaking roster, they would get up and just like yourself would get a standing ovation, but people would not come into the booth because they didn't, they were either scared to or didn't know how to interact. Cause with they them. think it's contagious and, or they don't know what to say. So let's, let's talk about the, the laser beamers, the oglers, the stairs. So we've got a story that we always like to tell. It's, it's we call it the grocery store story. And so when Matthew, was young. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's also different depending on age groups, but right. we'll talk about so that. So when Matthew second. was young and he was forced to go to the grocery store with me, he was never I'm still forced to go to the grocery store. Not, but not as much. So <laughs> this is what I deal with every day, people. It was never cool for him to walk beside me. So he would walk in front of me going up and down an aisle. And or behind. Um, you would watch kids come up to him and they were, kids are curious. They don't have a filter. They want to know what's going on. And they'd ask questions like, What's wrong with your legs or what's that thing, you know? And the parents would just, oh, my God, you know, that's politically not correct. Whereas, in fact, it's a teaching moment. It's where Matthew can look at them and explain to them what it is. And he would do that. He'd say, well, it's really kind of cool. It's kind of like a transformer. It goes up and down. You'd show them it goes up and down. If the parents my would wheelchair, allow it. My wheelchair, my wheelchair right. If the parents would allow it. But most of the time, the parents will think it's politically incorrect for a small child to come up and want to talk to Matthew. Just about say hello. This, or just ask. I mean, because they don't have a filter. They're, they're curious. Mm-hmm. They're curious. And so what the parent does a lot of times is take the kid and go, oh, come on. No, no, no. Let's go. Blah, blah, blah. blah. Don't talk to him. And so that, that does two things. I read an article recently in the Washington Post, and it was from a woman who had a child with a disability. She, she, it, and I believe the title of it was Allow Your Kid to Stare at Mine. And it was. That's a fabulous title. Well, and I, I'm not, I don't remember if that's right, but it's pretty close to it. And her comment was, if you, if you do that, you're teaching that difference is bad. If you take them away. If you take them away and don't say, don't stare, don't stare, don't look at them. You're teaching them that difference is bad. Um, and then the other thing is, like what Matthew will say when he's talking to him, is that that creates a stranger danger situation. That, you know, the next time they see a person in a wheelchair, ooh, mom yelled at me the last time, I can't talk to that person. So if he's allowed to educate them, then if they have a kid in their classrooms that's in a, in, in a wheelchair or they see somebody on the street, they're not scared of them. They understand. Mm-hmm. They, they get it. And that's truthfully, like, why kids are my favorite group to talk to. Because... I don't get, yes, I get the what's wrong with your legs, but I get what's your favorite color. I get what's, who's your favorite sports team. I get, do you have a girlfriend? I like, they don't, at that point, I always say it this way. They're not jaded by society yet. 
that what says. Great when the kid asked you in the elementary school. Uh, I don't, I don't I know. Um, but I'm not jaded. They're not jaded yet, and so they just think I'm cool because I can go fast, or I have lights, or I, um, I can you know do donuts in my wheelchair. Uh, so kids have awe and wonderment, not ooh. Right. Yeah. Right. That's neat. Let me stop us right there. Again, this is on uh, Bootleggers Music Group Radio, and we like to put some songs in the middle of our our shows. Sure. And I'm going to allow uh, us to go into a song here. And when we come back out of that, we're going to talk about the You Inspire Mirrors, There But For The Grace Of God Go I. And I know, Eve, you have a special place in your heart for that when you wrote a book chapter <laughs> about it. And then the genuine people who you interact with. So yeah. once again, this is David Coleman on Bootleggers Music Group Radio. This is Bridging the Gap. And today I'm with Matthew Shapiro and Eve Shapiro here in Richmond, Virginia. We'll be back. Come together before it all falls apart but Take a look at your history book The repeats about the start Inch by inch has become mile by mile Bound by the chains of shame Shackled by the comfort of lifestyle Divided, we cannot stand. So they keep us fighting while they do the little dirty deeds. Next thing you know, they redefine what freedom means. Yeah, it's the perfect storm, and we're sitting in the eye. We better stand up for. Freedom like justice should be blind Set aside our petty differences And have a little heart to heart We better come together soon Or it falls apart Sooner it 
falls apart Yeah, it's the perfect storm And we're sitting right in the eye We better stand up for each other Cause freedom like justice should be blind Set aside a pair of differences And have a heart to heart We better come together soon Or falls apart Think about it Love that song. One of my favorite that we have that we play regularly uh, on the app. And uh, Paul Jones, who can't be with us here today, he's performing live down in Florida. And we started this app in the station. He's one of the founders. Uh, he's an incredibly talented guy. And uh, we wouldn't be here without him. I sure. know you, you got to talk to him a few minutes ago. Uh, between your energy and his energy, there's a hurricane somewhere on Earth that's forming. That's right. That's right. So let's get back. We've already talked about fixers. We talked about friends and encouragers. We talked about the ugglers and the stairs and the laser beamers. Now let's get to the you inspire mirrors. I get that more than you'd like to know. Uh, that's probably the, the. What do they say? The, they like I will come down off of a off of a ta- off of a stage, or I will come down after doing a program, and you know this, David. Specifically in my programs, I talk about hey, look, I'm not up here to be an inspiration. I'm not up here to make non-disabled people feel better because I am overcoming uh, my disability or I am, you know, an inspiration because you don't I, like being called. I, inspiration. I don't. Why? One, there's this notion of disability in disability of this idea of inspiration porn that people with disabilities do. I want to make sure people heard that correctly. Inspiration porn. Correct. Okay. Correct. What do you mean by that? So it's, it's where you show people with disabilities doing normal things and thinking that it's like so inspirational that they run a race or that they exercise or uh, that they put their pants on and they live their life. Uh, You know, I am not, again, I'm just an average 31 year old looking to make an impact in the world, looking to do the same things that everyone else is doing. I just happen to have to do it differently. And just because I get up every day and, and have to navigate those things in a certain way, doesn't make me an inspirational figure. I am not, I've never viewed myself as an inspirational figure. I'm just a guy. Tell me if I'm wrong here, and yeah. you can answer this as well. You've never wanted to be inspirational. You've wanted to build awareness. Yes. And if you can change someone's perspective yes. about people with disabilities, even one that day, right. you've lived a pretty great day. That's, that's, all, I, that's all I've ever wanted to do mm-hmm. is, is to – change one for sure. You to, guys know you've changed me. <laughs> that's, all I've ever want, that's all I've ever wanted to do. And if I can reach one person and they can then look at somebody with a disability differently and then try to approach them. Don't be afraid to approach them. Don't be afraid to, you know, I, I always get the question of how do I start a conversation with a person with a disability? You go up to them and you say, hi, we're not contagious. We're not going to bite. We're not going to. Never be shy to say hi. Yeah, you're, you're not going to do any of that. And so um, if I can get one person after I've left a space to then have an experience that they can connect to and that leads them to engage with other people with disabilities, then I've done my job. Then, so move on to the next one. A few years back, you, you, as a family, you attended an event that Lenny Dave, a friend of mine who is a speaker in South Florida, and he uh, speaks to retirement communities all over the state of Florida. It does a, a program called 
Uh, basically, it's about the, the history of music and comedy in, in America. It's, it's really amazing. We had an event called a mastermind and you attended that. And it ended up that the people that attended that ended up writing a book of which we are all in it together. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask, ask Eve to go first. Sure. Eve actually ended up writing a chapter in that book called There for the Grace of God Go I. We're, first of all, we're talking about the reactions that he gets. Yep. And then how did it lead to a chapter in that book? Well, when he was young and back in the grocery store, um, he would Love going to grocery store. Right, right, right. He would um, go down the aisle in front of me. And so people wouldn't really know that we were together. And they'd walk by Matthew and they always got the look. Always got the look. It was part pity, part relief, kind of a facial grimace, but not really. Um, and you know what they're thinking. I mean, they're, they're thinking. They're so part pity, poor, 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 poor boy. Poor Matthew. They know poor, nothing poor Matthew. about him. They don't know what he's capable then, of. Then, it wasn't my me. child. Not me. And then, oh, boy, how much, how hard that must be. Right, or, right, right. So it's just that. But, you know, they don't know anything about Matthew. They just see somebody in a wheelchair, and, and that's their first go-to response where it, it shouldn't be. I mean, he's just as capable as anybody else. And, in fact, he has to use a wheelchair. When people read the book, your chapter is the one they always talk to me about. Give us in a nutshell what you what you talked about. You know, when you say, oh, you know, somebody walked by and said, there before the grace of God go I, they didn't know that Matthew, you've told me this before, has won every award, works his butt off, was a great right, student. Right. So what what's basically when you when you have other you're talking to other people and you're saying, get rid of that mentality. Why? Because it's not right. It's not right. The more that you keep that mentality, then you just continue to to encourage the stigma around disability. You need to find out about that person. I mean, there you know there are obviously various levels of disability. Anybody knows that. Um, but everybody that has a disability is capable of doing something, and you just need to find out what it is. You need to find out what their passion is. So you don't just look at somebody and. Get the, there before just, the grace of God go out, Lord. You don't look at somebody and discount them. Correct. Immediately. Um, I can't tell you. Ever in life, but especially someone with a disability. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people made an assumption that that I couldn't do something. Or my favorite thing, you know I'm probably one of the best talkers in the world. I love to talk. This, this uh, show is fairly evident of that. D- d- uh, people... Uh, People oftentimes wish I would be quiet on occasions, I'm sure, because I talk so much. Last night at dinner, I asked your parents, I said, do we have to get back? Does he have to be picked up? And you said, no, he needs his, there was a certain time he needs when he's leaving somewhere. Oh, his chatty Cathy time. He needs his chatty Cathy time, <laughs> where, where you make your you make your tour around the room and say goodbye to everybody. Because yeah. uh, right. I never you called it that. That's funny. Uh but that's also me being friendly and wanting, like, I'm always trying to connect with people, right? That's, you know, and people that are younger than me, people that look up to me, people that, not to be arrogant here, but sometimes in ways sort of rely on me to be, you've done this, I'm doing this, how did you do it? And yeah. and what advice can you give so that I can, I can navigate that? And I did that. I had. They can I, also look at you this way. You've done this. I want to do this. You've done it with a disability. Well, and mostly it's people with disabilities who also are are, are navigating the same thing that we're to, all the same things that we're talking about on the show today. Um, and so I feel like I've blazed the trail before them to be able to um, give them guidance or give them support on how do you navigate 
school? How do you navigate relationships? How do you navigate starting a business? All that stuff. Um, and, and so like, yeah, I, I am always like, I never knew she called it that. That's really funny. All right, let me get to our last one. So, so far, these are the six, you know, reactions that you most common reactions. when people meet. So we've gone through fixers, friends and encouragers, the oglers, the starers and the laser beamers. You inspire me there before the grace of God go I. And then how about this one? They're genuine. Tell me what those people are like. Those people are your true friends. Uh, those people are the people that uh, no matter how many times I call them will say, yeah, I'll come pick you up and I'll come uh, bring you to my house and I'll put. But let's go back. This is the first time people are seeing you. These aren't the friends. Yeah. This is an initial common reaction. Sure. You're saying there's genuine. What does that look like? They don't see the chair. They don't see the chair. Yeah, they don't see the chair. They don't see the chair. They they think I'm just talented. They think, um, you know, what I had to share was great. They think, uh, you know, I I am not my disability. I'm my disability is a part of me, a huge part of me that I I I am very prideful of, um, but it's not the only part of me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a very, 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 very large part of me, but it is not the only part of me. So when someone is genuine and they meet you for the first time, yeah. it's like two people meeting for the first time, yeah. not an able-bodied person meeting someone with a disability and all the crap that can go and, on. And here's the perfect example, right? And I was going to talk about this earlier and then I lost my train of thought, but a lot of times when the people aren't those people, they'll come up to me and they'll go, how are you today? Expecting that like I'm not intelligent and I can't. Talking to you like you're younger like than you I'm are five. or less able than you are. Right, like I'm five. When those genuine people just see me as a person, right? And and it's not like, wow, you're again, you're so inspirational, or wow, what like, you know, what you really had to share really made an impact on me. Those are the type of people that like are true and and real. Um, and I'm not having to navigate the the old lady or the old man like speaking to me like I'm five or having this expectation that like I don't have a brain that works. My brain works just fine. Um, again, I just physically can't do certain things. Uh, and so, yeah, when you get those genuine people and, and truthfully, a lot of those genuine people turn into my friends and we can talk about that in a second. Um, but they don't care. They'll, they'll, many of those people say, we'll do whatever we have to do to make sure you're included. We'll do whatever we have to do to, we like having you around. So we make it work. That's neat. All right. Take a nice deep breath for me. Go ahead and do it. Let it out. Yes. Take another one. I know where you're going with this. Take another one. Let it out. (laughs) We're going to switch over to disabled dating, relating, friending, etc. Yes. You seem to have, there's a name that's Josh and uh, there's another name I've heard come up a couple times. Josh is my trainer. Zach is one of my really good friends. I have other really good friends. Andre. Um, I have a really good core group of people. We met someone's father. We were walking back today. Zach's Zach's father. Your friends that are your friends seem to really love and care for you. Yes. Like I, I'm hopefully in that group now as well. Uh, Unfortunately, just kidding. No, it's, we're lucky to have each other. Mm-hmm. Nobody else can take us, so we're lucky to have each other. Mm-hmm. So you do have some wonderful friendships. We're going to talk about how you've made and how people with disabilities yeah. can, who might be listening to this today, yeah. how can you encourage them and what, what strategies do you have? Then let's also, we're going to talk about, you've been disabled dating here recently. Yes. And uh, the highs and lows, the ups and downs, the how do you meet someone? How do you form something? How quickly should it go? How quickly does it go? If yeah. it doesn't go well, yeah. let's let's start there. What's it been like to to, to disable date? Uh, truthfully, uh, hard. 
Um, many people don't look at disabled people as uh, valuable partners. Um, hmm. People with disabilities are very isolated. People with disabilities um, often go a long time without having relationships like that, that are connections. Um, it is harder for people, not saying it's impossible. There's a lot of people who are really, really good in that space. Um, it is harder for people with disabilities to get places to go and, and date. And so you're talking to somebody people. online, however you met them. Yeah. We're talking about, why don't we see each other tonight? Yeah. That's not just, oh, I'm going to go see them tonight. That means one of these two people are getting you to see More them. More than likely, honestly, it's going to be one of my friends that is going to take me to, to one of those things. Um, and trying to find a friend that just will not mind um, sitting in a coffee shop while I'm just having coffee with someone or uh, being kind of a third wheel. There's been many instances where my relationships meet my friends pretty quickly because they have to third wheel it. Um, and that's not, a, that doesn't bother me. Right. But it just makes dating um, more challenging and then finding the right people who, again, don't care about the disability, don't care about, I am a full assist with everything that I need. And that is, um, that's a special human. Um, and yeah, I have everything everybody else. Wants I will to. say this. You're one of my rare clients this, this weekend that we week that we've been together the couple of days is we're doing work on your career, yeah. on your speaking career and your consulting career with architectural firms and port systems and HR firms, et cetera. But we've also spent half of our time working on the relationship aspects, aspects yeah. of your life. And that's been, and what we talked about this morning on our walk was, Whoever you meet next, whomever you meet next, and they're wonderful. And Eve talked about this earlier. We talked about getting you ready this morning and that you are in that chair and you are a full assist. Yeah. How do you get to that point in the conversation with someone where they get it? Uh, it's hard. Again, it's hard. I don't mean to be um, – I'm being real. Uh, it's, it's not um, – and I'm very transparent in on dating apps. I'm very transparent in – communicating um, that if you're going to do this, this is what you're going to do. It was really fun to work on your dating apps yesterday. The wording that we came up with, the pictures of you, if I was half as handsome, I'd be doing better in my own relationship. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to seeing the reactions you get from your new profiles. We'll by the way, Matthew's 31. He's single. He runs his own company, one of the top speakers in America. And if you can put up with him watching one of his favorite basketball teams play, he's probably a pretty good partner. I want to go back to that. You yeah. said the words <laughs> – that many people don't see someone with a disability as a viable, uh, not a viable partner. Yeah. You think they see you as damaged? No, I think they see, they think they can do it and then they get into the equation and they're like, Oh, this is much harder than I thought. Um, and I think that scares people. Um, uh, and then that puts me back to, trying to find that. Um, and it is, again, it's not easy. It's not, it's not. And, and this is, a, this, I mean, dating and relationships is a, is a disability wide. Uh, issue, not, not issue, not challenge. It's just a disability wide thing that people with disabilities have to contend with. Um, should that be our next project? Should you and I put together something for 
on disabled dating let's and put you on stage and uh, I'll be your guide. Uh, let's do it. I'm, I'm always down for a good project, but uh, you know, and, and truthfully, I think the other scenario is a lot of people with disabilities don't have a lot of experience with dating because it is hard. Um, and when you do find, you know, I kind of call them the unicorns that are like, I don't care. Um, I will, I will learn to take you to the restroom. I will learn to help with care. I will learn to, um, do all of that. You, you cling to that because it is so hard. Um, and, and you sit here and you wonder at 31, only having really two experiences in my life to, to gauge on, you know, most 31 year olds are thinking about marriage and, kids and other things. And, um, that's tough. Uh, not impossible, not trying to scare anyone away that is, you know, is listening and might be in the same scenario. Mm -hmm. Trust me. I, I get it. I'm in that spot. I understand it. Um, and you try to be patient with it and you try to, um, think about all scenarios, but there are tons of times when, um, it is, it is tough, uh, not impossible, but tough. Those are great answers. I'm going to transition this for a second. We've got about 10 minutes left in this program, and I want to cover a couple of different things. Spend a couple of minutes, two, three minutes. How can people make friends? How have you made friends? How can people with disability, what are some ways that you, things you've done? I, I got to see you last night playing wheelchair soccer, which I thought was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I sat with your parents. I was in awe. I'm thinking, okay, they got to drive that. They got to turn that. They got to be there. They got to do it. Anticipate. Yeah. I was really impressed. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I am, anyone that knows me knows that I'm one of the most outgoing people on the planet. I will. Understatement. <laughs> I will, um, I will say hi to anyone. I will, um, bring the energy. Uh, I don't know if you saw a practice last night. I was acting a fool. Uh, that is last night didn't look any different than other nights for me. Yes. Very true. Um, but I am, I like to crack jokes. I like to uplift other people. Um, I don't do any of it for, I'm not trying to have the like, look at me moments, right? I'm trying to make other people feel comfortable. I'm trying to, um, um, help other people get out of their own comfort zones. Mm -hmm. um, and so you have to find outlets uh, where you can meet those people. And truthfully, that's something I'm still, you know, we've talked about that a lot. Let's tell can. people one of the things we did today is we, we developed a meetup profile for you for here in Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. We went through and we probably check, I'll bet we chose 25 to 30 categories of interest for you. Yeah. You're now going to get announcements and, briefings about what upcoming events are. They might be virtual. They might be in person, yeah. but you're going to have an opportunity to meet quite a few people in the Richmond area that you might not have ever met had you not joined up. Yeah, no, I'm excited about that. And so you have to find your outlets, right? And you have to find how you can, and, and also you have to make your outlets, right? Um, I am so grateful that my parents all the time are open to letting any and all of my friends drive my van and we go. Like my parents are here. Uh, we go to bars, we go to zoos, we go on dates, we go to movies. I go over to friends' houses and use my ramps that I have to get in their houses. I'll eat dinner over cool. there. Um, very grateful for that. But I, I, I have to create my own outlets. 
Now, um, we have about five minutes left. I'm going to completely switch gears yeah, here. Yeah. There's a number of different things you do for a number, number of different entities out there, different genres. Yeah. I'm going to give you a genre, mm-hmm. and I want you to give me no more than 30 to 45 seconds. Oh, I know, I know. Tough. I know. Do you want to take a drink? Go ahead and I'm do good, it. I'm good. You need a drink? I'm good. You want a tranquilizer? Do you want something? Can I help you? <laughs> Your mom is shaking her head going, give him one, give him one. So quickly tell people what you do in these areas. Number one, the medical field. Um, trying to make medical spaces more accessible for people. Um, believe it or not, medical institutions are probably some of the most inaccessible places for people with disabilities. If they ever have to get an x-ray, uh, somebody has to help me transfer. I don't do that. They don't often have uh, lifts to help do that. Um, I was dropped on my tailbone right after I had spinal fusion surgery. Because Fabulous. Somebody didn't know how to use a Hoyer lift, which is a, a transferring device. Um, so making... Uh, hospitals and, and doctor's office institutions more accessible. Very nice job. That was a very nice job. I'm very proud of you. Thank Number you. two, I know you've done several things for Sherman for human resources. That's for a while there, you were becoming an expert on helping people hire people and be attractive to people yeah. with disabilities. Sure. So that is making the workplace more accessible and inclusive for people. How do we bring people into the workplace with disabilities? How do we recruit to them? How do we hire them? How do we market to them so that we're showing disability in our marketing materials so that I, a prospective um, new uh, hire, can look on that website and see somebody that looks like me and say, I'm not the first. I wouldn't be the first. Um, so had many conversations with Sherm. How to how to interview, how to recruit, how to retain, all that stuff. How to promote. How to Who's promote. in the promotions? What pictures? Yep. And they, and they can't look. I'll never forget this. Can't look staged. Yep. You can tell that's that's they brought in a wheelchair today. They, they have an able-bodied person sitting. You taught me a lot about. Yes, that. It, it, it needs to be genuine and authentic people with disabilities. Next, emergency preparedness. So One of the most enjoyable things I ever worked with you. <laughs> um, thinking about how do we protect people with disabilities in cases of emergency, be it natural disaster, be it uh, fire, be it, uh, you know, uh, shootings at schools, whatever the case may be, how do we make sure that that those are also accessible? Because there's often stories you mentioned in the beginning of our conversation that it's getting ready to be hurricane season. There's stories all over the place where people with disabilities are trapped in their homes during things like that, and they end up dying because no one knows how to get to them. No one knows how to get them to safety. Uh, different no things like no one knows they're there. Thank you, mom. Um, and and we have a lot of work to do in that space. Of all the work that we've done together, the three of us, I believe, when you spoke to that uh, emergency preparedness conference for the elderly and for people with disabilities, yeah. the program that you put together for that, I was literally proud to be a part of that. And I, whoever hasn't seen that should see it. Thank Next, you. how about architectural firms? So you've making, been hired by several. Yeah, making spaces uh, accessible beyond being just ADA compliant. ADA compliance is the bare minimum of what we need in order to be accessible. How do we make spaces more accessible, more inclusive, so that everyone can engage in every aspect of everything that that space has to offer? About our court systems. Same thing. How do we make court spaces accessible? How do we make um, judges aware of what disability really is like and how that might impact uh, their decisions that they make from the bench? Um, All that kind of stuff. The last group that I know that you speak to fairly regularly is how about college campuses? What's your main emphasis there? Again, getting them uh, getting them exposure to people like me, so that when when they see somebody else, they're not uh, that's not their first experience to draw from. Let me ask this: We've got just a couple minutes left before we're done, and I've really this time has flown because it was so much fun. I'd love to hear a success story or two. Eve, I'm going to start with you. Do you have a success story that you've seen him be involved with? the impact it had on someone, somebody said something to you, you saw an end result that was wonderful. Oh, go to him first. I'll think about it. Matthew, do you have a favorite success story? 
this may be arrogant, but like, I kind of feel like I'm this success story, huh. right? Like, talk to me. I, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be where I am today without everything that we've talked about, without the support, without the hard times, without the um, learning experiences that I've had. Mm-hmm. And I remember specifically when I told my dad I was going to start a business, he was like, are you sure? Is Like, shouldn't you just get a regular job? Um, and we had debates about that as a family. Um, but I think now he can look at the situation where I'm working on a multi-million dollar renovation of the Supreme Court building in Virginia. I am working with another organization that's basically going to put me on retainer. I'm doing speeches all over the place. Uh, I'm doing hopefully a radio show as well. You are rolling circles around people who are fully abled and not working half as hard. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I am grateful for what I've experienced. I'm grateful for what I've gotten to do, who I've gotten to meet, who All I get right. to engage Stop. with. Eve? I just think his ability to get up in front of people and express um, what life is all about for him. You know, that to me is, I, I, I mean, I think that changes people's views on things. Mm-hmm. Um, You're a walking ambassador. Rolling. Rolling. Very nice. Very nice. You trained me to do that, and I still did it. You're a willing ambassador for disability awareness. It's it's really something, one of the strongest advocates I've ever seen, other than your mother, who's the strongest advocate I've ever seen. Yes, we've got, a, a, we've got a minute or so left. How can people reach if they want to? So all over social media, um, you can look up Six Wheels Consulting. It's the number six, uh, number six wheels, W-H-E-E-L-S, consulting, uh, LLC, uh, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. I have a podcast. Please go check that out. The disability consulting podcast where we have, I have other conversations like this one. Um, would love to work with people. I uh, would love to meet you if you're single and ready to mingle. Uh, I am his broker manager on that. So write me at the dating doctor at Mac.com, the dating doctor all spelled out at Mac.com. And I will vet the candidates there you go. to date Matthew. There you go. Um, yeah, no, I'd love to connect with people and, and talk more about what I love to do. That's right. Let me say this. I, I've been uh, blessed to be a part of your family here and your progression, I want to say for at least five years. And to see the first, we talked about this maybe the other day on our walk. The first time you called me and said, I want you to coach me, I'm like, ah, la, 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 la. Do I really want to take this on? And you were having trouble finishing a sentence, and there were about 400 likes in that sentence. That <laughs> thought, Can I, to, to where you are now, where you are, this is where I, we talked about the where your career is. You're not necessarily marketing yourself to others. People are coming to you. Yes. Architecture firms are coming to you. Mm-hmm. Lobbyist groups are coming to you and saying, we, we have something important to us and will you, will you lobby for us? Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Most people are out there trying to dig up what's happening. You have people coming to you. And in no small manner, we've got 10 seconds left. It's because of the hard work that you've put in there and your family's uh, gracious support and love. And I just want to thank you for being a guest here on Absolutely. Bridging the Gap on Bootleggers Music Group Radio. You've been listening to Bridging the Gap with David Coleman. Remember, you can always pull up the past talks by going in the app and clicking on past talks. You can see all the Bridging the Gap episodes, all the Tasting Room episodes, anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week on Bootleggers Music Group Radio and in the app. Thanks for listening.